I'd like to say good morning to you. Uh, my name is Amber Carroll. If I haven't had an opportunity to meet you yet, I am one of the pastors here at Hope Covenant. It is so good to be together today in worship and to watch kids sing and um, uh, music and gosh, we are just, uh, it's great to be in this place. So I'm glad that you chose to be here today. Um, if you've been with us any number of time in the last several weeks, you know we've been enduring the battle with our screen back here. So just, you know, roll with it. It's blue sometimes. Um, <laughs> we'll try not to get distracted. Um, and it is always at this point. So I think there's something you're not, I don't know. There's like gremlins or something, I don't know. But anyway, um, as, a, as a church, uh, we believe God gave us a vision. And he gave the church a mission. He said, um, go into all the world and preach the good news and make disciples of all nations. And he said, the greatest and most important commandment that we are to do as believers is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And so we've taken those two um, very important words of Jesus, and we have made them a part of who we are. That is to be known, belong, and be loved. That we believe that God is inviting you to know and be known by him. And that you can belong to a community, to his family. Yet you can, uh, you're invited in here no matter how messy your life is, no matter how much you've messed up. It doesn't matter. That we want this to be a place where you can belong. And then ultimately we are called to be love. And that's an action word, to be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere we go. And so when you walked in this morning, uh, we hope that you got a bulletin. Each week we put information on here that's helpful for you to know. On the back, there's important dates for you to stay. Um, be sure you read those. We're going to try to limit reading those for you up front. So if you could read those, that would be great. We have our, uh, a church texting phone number we've been talking about. You can text keyword loop to that phone number, and we will keep you up to date of all of the stuff going on. So you can choose to opt in to that. Also on there, there's a connect card that we'll collect after at the end of the message, at the end of the day, to, uh, at the morning. And on there, if you're here for the first time, we'd love to connect with you. If you've been here 91 times, um, if you could, I'm changing up my numbers. Um, if you could fill that out, that would be great. Just to kind of keep us up, there's a way to respond on the back of the card, but also a place where you can um, write prayers and um, celebrations. And we want to pray with you and we want to celebrate life together. And that is um, how we do that. So um, please do that today. And um, on the back, there's a blank part, uh, the notes here. You can take notes, but we're going to use that today. So make sure you have a pen um, available. Um, I am going to open us up in a word of prayer, and if you would join me, that would be great. Uh, loving God, we come to you today um, just in awe of your goodness and your mercy and your love to us, to send Jesus to earth to show us how to live and how to love and to give us a better way to do life, and so we thank you for the opportunity to be here. And we ask that whatever might be going on in our lives, we're able to block out those noise, that noise today, and we're able to focus on what you have to say. And we love you, and we honor you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, uh, we are in the middle of a message series we've entitled, Home is Where the Heart Is, Home is Where the Joy Is, Home is Where the Peace Is. That is what today is about. And for some of us at Christmas time, the idea of coming home for Christmas, there are all of the good feelings that go with that. Home is a place of warmth and joy and peace and love. And for some of us in this room, that is not the experience. 
Coming Home for Christmas might look more of a comedy, maybe something out of a, a movie like this. In our, in our family, when I, um, when I think of Christmas, coming home, uh, my mom was one of six kids, actually seven, so she was one of four girls and three boys in her house, and coming home for Christmas was a lot like that for me. It meant all of the aunts and uncles who all were married and all had children, and so there were, you know, a good... Um, 14 aunts and uncles and then 20 some aunts. So there's probably around 40 or so people who would gather in my Mima and Peepa's uh, mobile home, which had three bedrooms in it. So you can imagine the space. And for anyone to enter into the family, they had to pass the Orr family Christmas test. I mean, you had to know, like, coming home for Christmas for us meant that experience. And John had a smaller family, and so his expectations were a little different. But one of our favorite memories was... Um, Every single time, my Aunt Sharon would click around in these little high heels, click, 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 all over. And as um, it was always on a weekend off from Christmas, so the football would be on. And so the guys would gather around the one little TV, and they would sit, you know, and watch the TV. And Aunt Sharon would inevitably click back and forth in front of the TV, and the guys would, like, lean around her. And you'd watch them all, like, collectively try to get around Aunt Sharon and her, her clicking. And it was, for me, that experience at my Mima and Peepa's house was home. It was joy. It was peace for me because that is, my family held my heart. I mean, that was what was great. For John, it was a very different experience. A very different experience. But all of us have different ideas when we think about coming home for Christmas. 
You have them right now, thinking about what that looks like. And our expectations for what it should be differ. Home um, is not a destination, right? It's not a place we go. It's the people who are there. And what we're going to talk about more today, that home is uh, not a feeling, but it is our identity. And we're going to look into that today. Um, the last couple of weeks, John's been walking us through home, and home is where the heart is, and home is where the joy is. And so today, we're going to be talking about peace. And so home is where the peace is. And like when Jesus came into the world to bring peace, we still need that peace today. In fact, our world looks a lot like it did in the time when Jesus was born. There was war and oppression and shady politicians and people were crying for justice and liberation. And peace would be experienced in their world when a king would come in with his army and he would make peace happen by force. And so when the king of the Jews was born, he came to fulfill the prophecy. They were so excited because they too were going to be liberated. But Jesus did not do what they had expected. Their idea of peace was very different than the peace that Jesus came and that Jesus would offer. And he didn't meet their expectations. And they had seen other kings take power. And Jesus would take power, but it would look different. And he would preach about a kingdom, but that kingdom would take on a very different shape. See, he wasn't concerned about the, the temple or the location of where the temple was, but he would speak of the human body as being the temple where the holiest of holies would reside. Jesus would bring peace, but not as they had expected. And they thought that this peace that was going to come and bring down the Roman Empire. And when it didn't happen, what did they do to Jesus? They crucified him. They misdiagnosed their peace problem. See, they thought that by killing Jesus, maybe then someone else could bring it. But that, in the end, that is not what happens See, we still misdiagnose our peace problem. We look to people and power and process and politicians to bring peace. And it doesn't work because that's not the problem. That is not the source. And that is the lie that the enemy wants us to believe. That we have to look all out there for our peace. When the true peace comes from what happens inside of our hearts. The enemy wants to confuse us and misdirect us and, and, and have us lose our focus. And so when we can't find peace in the community or in our home, it's because, not because we, it doesn't exist, it's because we're looking in the wrong place for it. So I want to look at this idea of peace today. And I think in order to do that, I think we need to look at what the Bible tells us about peace. Because what the Bible offers us and what Jesus came to offer us when it comes to peace is very different from what the world has done for us today. And if you are not yet a Christian, if you haven't totally bought into this whole idea of Christianity, if you would just give this some time today and listen and, and enter into this, I believe what you will experience is greater than anything that the world can offer you. So... Before we move on, let's go ahead and just spend just a minute on what peace isn't, right? So, um, peace is not the absence of struggle, right? I mean, um, it, it, it's, not, uh, it's not the absence of war. When we think of world peace, we think, oh, everyone's fi not fighting and getting along. But that is not what biblical peace is. 
It's not meant to make you indifferent or lazy. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who um, experienced the greatest peace, is probably um, someone who had a lot of struggle. If you read anything about Paul, he was persecuted like crazy, but had this inner deep peace. Also, um, we can't have apathy with peace. A lot of times in our effort to make peace, we become passive. And we don't call out injustice or things that cause um, others to suffer. And that is not peace either. You don't have to go somewhere to experience peace. Peace is not a destination. Um, Peace is not a location. And so, um, as you may or may not know, I have some Band-Aids on my face. And I was trying to figure out how to talk about it. I think it's uh, very interesting that this happens often, that you are given... We knew I was going to preach on peace for months. Um, And so for me to be in this place right now has been interesting. Anyway, well, since this past May, I've had three basal cell skin cancers diagnosed. Uh, One was removed on my scalp this summer, and then I had two removed on my nose two weeks ago. And while basal cell skin cancer is the best kind of cancer to get if you're going to get cancer, um, because it doesn't spread and it's not fatal, uh, my doctor said, it's just, it can be disfiguring, which is a great word to hear. Awesome. But to be completely honest and transparent with you this morning, I have had a really difficult time. Those of you who've been um, with me the last couple weeks, I have... um, I haven't been in a lot of physical pain, so I'm fine. They got all the cancer. It's all fine. But the emotional piece of it has been, it's kind of caught me off guard. I'm not a big crier. John cries often up here. Um, But are you watching, babe? Sorry. Okay. Um, But I've had, like, I've been, and I've been struggling. Like, why am I having such a hard time with this? Um, Because I really, it's, it's healing fine. I'll get to take the bandies off soon. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna, it's gonna heal. It'll be a scar. It won't be that bad. But here's what I've come to: um, the two places in my life where I have had the most profound moments with God, the most amazing experiences and encounters with my heavenly Father, have been by the ocean and when I've been running. And the location of my basal cell skin cancers have been right on top of my head where I would very diligently put a visor on, which doesn't cover the top of your head when you run, um, and by the ocean. And, and I just feel completely robbed. <laughs> this week, I've just, I think that was what it was. Like, I feel in those moments when I was having those, those connections and I, my soul was like really at peace, um, Cancer was like taking root in my body. And I feel like betrayed, not by God, by my body. Like what, you know, I, and, and it's, it's not, I mean, it's fine, but it's not fine. It's like my, my places have been kind of tainted for me. I, and I was thinking about like, what, how can my, my peace cannot be dependent on my place that I am. And so for a minute, um, I gave you your bulletin. You have the bulletin this morning. On the back, there's that notes part. And I'm going to give you just a minute, and I want you to think. Um, where, um, I want you to think about a place or um, an experience you might have had where you have been or where you go to find peace. 
Like, is there a place in your life, an experience, a, a location where you have gone or you go, and you just feel at, you just feel peace, your soul is at peace? I'm just gonna give you a minute to think about it. And go ahead and write that down on your paper. And as you're writing it, think, what is it that makes that experience or that place uniquely peaceful for you? So there should be a pen in front of you on the back of the chairs. And go ahead and write that down. And we'll come, we'll come back to that as we, as we continue this morning. But the unfortunate reality of this time of year, as we enter into the holiday season and this Christmas peace, um, is that we are so busy running around, distracted by all the responsibilities that I don't know about you, but aside from... Even, even if I didn't have cancer removed from my face, I would still be feeling anxious and overwhelmed and stressed. Um, anyone else feel that way this time of year? We often miss the peace that Christ talked about bringing to us. So the opposite of peace for us, Eric's raising feet as well, hands and feet. Um, the opposite of the peace that we're talking about here is anxiety and is worry. Um, the opposite of joy uh, John talked about last week would be, would be hopelessness. The opposite of peace is anxiety. And one of the scriptures that speak of biblical peace, um, you may or may not have heard, is in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the peace we have is being confident over God's presence and will in our lives. Being confident of who you are and whose you are. Peace comes from the assurance of your salvation of being a child of God. And there are two distinct kinds of peace that I want us to look at today. There's peace uh, with God and the peace of God. And they are distinct, but they're not separate. And so we're going to look at that this morning. Um, Philippians 4, 7, it said there, it said the peace of God, which transcends understanding, which surpasses understanding. We don't get it. We can't understand it because it's just, it's beyond, it's beyond our comprehension. We'll guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So peace of God is this frame of heart. This just solid confidence in who we are. There's a story which, um, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard of Mary and Martha, um, and um, <clears throat> it's found in Luke 10, and they are two sisters, they invite Jesus in to eat, and Martha's the um, type A, anxious one, she's got her whole list of to-dos, and she's working, working, working. Um, the Greek word they use in there when they talk about uh, anxious is um, merimnaho. And uh, which means uh, anxiety, like the mind is divided, it's um, distracted, there's too many goals, there's too many things going on. So the opposite of anxiety and double-mindedness would be single-mindedness, would be whole, being whole-mindedness. 
And so Mary's sitting there. Uh, Mary is at the feet of Jesus, and she's sitting there listening, and Martha's running around, and Mary's having her quiet time, and Martha's aggravated. You know, she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm working, and you're just having a quiet time. So Jesus makes this play, um, Marin Maho, and he says this. He says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are... Maram Naho, you are worried and distracted by